Howdy peeps! Welcome to episode 12 of the Ingressive Voices podcast with your host, Wayne Ashley. In this merry, merry month of May, which also happens to be our National Asian and Pacific American Heritage Month, we want to take some time to celebrate, uplift, and promote our Asian American and Pacific American heritage community out there, and to say that this incredible, vibrant part of our American story, we want to take a chance to celebrate them and to make sure that their accomplishments are known and that their history is known and promoted in the United States of America. Uh, as a Houstonian, we know that the Asian community in Houston is very vibrant and very active. Uh, lots of folks, you know, um, in the in the Vietnamese community in Houston, especially, but cer certainly also the Chinese community. Uh, just some incredible things going on. And I'll just give out a shout out to someone I, I don't know personally, but our legislator and my who happens to be my personal. Uh, legislator Gene Wu in the Texas House. He is really working hard to defend rights for Texans, and he's doing such a great job at it. So shout out to Gene Wu and to his wife, Maya Shea, uh, and, and everyone there at the Texas State Legislature as they wrap things up, and we'll be talking about that a little more. But just so you're aware, May is National Asian American and Pacific American Heritage Month. So, so we did want to make sure to mention that as a part of the Ingressive Voices podcast. But let's get to it. We'll begin this podcast with an acronym. W-I-T-H, which stands for What is Trump Hiding? Or maybe more emphatically, you could even stretch it out to W-T-H-I-T-H, right? This is a question that is high time to ask. It's time for our nation to start looking into some things and asking some questions. It's no surprise that in this historic moment of political divisiveness, our nation is in the midst of a heated debate over details first revealed in the Mueller report. Supporters of President Trump and the Republican Party are convinced that the democratically controlled House of Representatives is simply in a, quote, witch hunt to impeach Trump for no good cause, which I guess is possible. And for those that are on a steady supply of Fox News and right wing media, it may seem like the only possible conclusion. But at some point, even Trump's most ardent supporters will have to take a moment to ask themselves the simple question. W-I-T-H. What is Trump hiding? If the president is so convinced of his innocence, why would he need to hire a robust team of lawyers seeking to block any efforts of an investigation into his finances? Remember, the cornerstone of Donald J. Trump's brand is the fact that he's rich and successful. If he's innocent and proud of all that he's accomplished, why is he so afraid of some people in Congress seeing his tax returns and other financial statements? 
Why was he afraid for us all to see them in 2016 to the point that he wouldn't release them as part of the presidential campaign? Now, before you question, let's not forget that this is not America's first rodeo with the road to impeachment. Back in the 90s, a Republican-controlled Congress didn't think twice about investigating President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton. What began as an investigation into a botched Arkansas real estate deal, otherwise known as Whitewater, for those that remember, ended by catching President Clinton in an extramarital affair and lying under oath to cover up his actions. The irony here? Had the Clintons behaved as President Trump is doing so today, refusing to turn over any documentation to Congress, refusing to testify in any capacity, be it the president himself or any of his associates, the Republican-led investigations and impeachment would not have even been possible at the time. That whole saga from the 1990s was underpinned by the fact that the Clintons, for all of their flaws as leaders, still cared enough about their country to not only follow the law, but honor and respect all of our government's institutions, even at the risk of extreme personal scrutiny and possible harm. They were facing impeachment. It's possible that the president, of course, could have been removed from office, but that other crimes could have been uncovered where uh, the Clintons, if they're going to go and testify, they could have been jailed. You may not remember, but President Clinton actually testified as president of the United States. He testified in front of a grand jury. And of course, that's when they caught him lying about the affair. And so the Republicans impeached him based on the fact that he lied under oath, because at the time that was considered to be a terrible thing, right? So the Clintons risked everything to prove their innocence at the time, and they cooperated with investigators. They turned over documents to the Republicans, the very same Republicans that were trying to take them down. They turned over the documents to them. Why? Because they follow the law, right? Indeed, the entirety of our nation depends upon citizens following the law or facing appropriate consequences when they choose not to do so. Such is the reason that this week's rulings in the historic lawsuit Donald J. Trump et al. versus the Committee on Oversight and Reform of the U.S. House of Representatives. This ruling was majorly important. The case in which President Trump tried to sue for the ability to block a congressional subpoena of his financial records was soundly and completely rejected by Judge Amit Mehta of the D.C. Circuit Court. The entire opinion is worth a read, but here's a brief quote from Judge Mehta's decision. And here's a quote from the decision. To be sure, there are limits on Congress's investigative authority, but those limits do not substantially constrain Congress. So long as Congress investigates on a subject matter on which legislation could be had. Congress acts as contemplated by Article I of the Constitution, 
applying those principles here compels the conclusion that President Trump cannot block the subpoena to Mazars, which is the financial firm that the president uh, used uh, and, and for which he was trying to silence and trying to tell them do not turn in the documentation under any circumstance. So as you may well be aware, the Justice Department is in a current constitutional, let's just call it a constitutional standoff with Congress, where Congress is issuing subpoenas for this information, for the tax returns, for financial information, and at every single turn, the Trump administration is blocking them from doing so. This is unprecedented. This is something that has never been done before uh, to this level in a presidency. And everyone knows that at this point, when the president is trying to hide such information, it is actually building a case for their impeachment. It's not, it's not helping President Trump to not turn over the documents. It's actually building the case for impeachment and calling for it even more strongly. So as Judge Mehta pointed out in his decision, this was an important step this week, which starts the nation down a very long path, a path in which it will become increasingly more difficult to deny impeachment hearings against President Trump. As these financial records come out and continue to corroborate statements from witnesses like Michael Cohen and information in the Mueller report, the president will no longer be able to hide his actions in secret. Ready or not, the march towards impeachment has begun. But for those of us that are worried about how impeachment procedures might affect the 2020 cycle, here are two major points to consider. Point number one, what if there is no 2020? Oh, it's a, it's a difficult topic. To, I know, you know, it's, it's unimaginable to most Americans. You know, we have lived our entire lives with the certainty of things like elections to be able to count on, but we're also now living in a time where the constitution seems to be throwing out of the window by this administration. We have to ask ourselves this. So here's the question. If Trump and Republicans go unchecked, it's not clear that we'll even have a 2020 election that matters or that we would actually honor the results of that election. The United States, as we know it, is in danger right now. That's why so many people use the terms like constitutional crisis. You cannot have a president and an executive branch that just doesn't follow the law because they don't want to. If our president and his administration are given the impression that they can simply ignore the law, who's to know which laws they choose to observe and which they decide to set aside? Today, it's ignoring congressional investigations, ignoring subpoenas, refusing to cooperate with, you know, Democrats and Congress in any way. But tomorrow, will it be, I don't know, refusing to step down from the presidency? trying to use the military to serve his own personal needs, kind of like he's doing the Justice Department right now, let's be honest. Um, whether one supports the current president or not, this behavior cannot continue. 
President Trump and the Trump administration cannot just play willy-nilly with the Constitution. They can't just decide that, okay, well, we're going to ignore it here because that has to do with Democrats. We're going to write everything off as witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. No, Republicans know better than this. They know that this is wrong. They know that this cannot be tolerated. And they know that they would never tolerate it from a Democratic president. They would shut it down automatic. Remember, this is the same Republican Party and many of the same Republican legislatures that wanted to rake President Barack Hussein Obama over the coals for even proposing DACA, remember the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and DAPA, the Deferred Action for the Parents of Those Arrivals, which the second part of that, DAPA, never went into effect because it was sued to high heaven. Now, President Obama didn't just go, okay, well, we're going to enact DACA and DAPA without, you know, any deference to the judicial branch. They didn't do that. They absolutely didn't do that. But here's what's going on with the Trump administration right now. They have been subpoenaed by Congress for a myriad of different things. And so far, at the end of this week, they have now heard from two courts of law that say, oh, no, you cannot ignore those subpoenas. You must turn over the requests Congress has the right to investigate. It doesn't matter whether their house is controlled by Democrats or Republicans. They absolutely have the right to investigate as long as it could possibly be related to legislation, which, of course, we all know that some of the legislation being proposed, like, okay, let's require all presidential candidates to have their tax returns released. So Congress is already working on potential legislation. They have plenty of reasons to want this information but most importantly, to secure our nation. So the Trump administration is clearly wrong on their stance on all of this, and they do not, they absolutely do not have the right to ignore these subpoenas. So some Democratic you know, watchers and things like that, and of course even members of Congress, have said, uh, by the way, plug for Joy Reid's show right now, uh, which is called AM Joy. I almost said the Reed Report, but that's the, the old show. But big, serious plug to AM Joy. It's on MSNBC, and I like to listen to AM Joy as a podcast. So you can go to any of your podcast uh, you know, providers and listen to that show, and it's totally free. You can also listen to it, I think, on the MSNBC website if you don't have uh, cable or anything like that. But Joy Reid's show, she has really been laser-focused on the many different sides of impeachment and the reasons why why Congress would want to start impeachment, when it should start, and everything. She's been an incredible resource on this. And one of the points that her and her panelists have, have been able to, to really parse out on her show is this idea of like, okay, where do we stand in terms of this being a quote, constitutional crisis. Some people say, oh no, you're, you're being, you're being grandiose when you say it's a constitutional crisis at this point. But we have to realize that the president is not following the law. The Trump administration, the entire executive branch at the federal level has decided they're not going to follow the law. So what's the last stand in that? And Joy Reid, in an interview with Congressman Ro Khanna, whom, of course, is a very progressive 
Democrat, you know, let's 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 be real. You know, this is Rokana. This is not, uh, you know, some blue dog Democrat or something. Uh, but Joy Reid, in an interview with Congressman Kana, was able to get very important information from Congressman Kana and hopefully how his other colleagues view the situation. Congressman Ro Khanna, in that interview, established that the court proceedings now serve as the ultimate red line for the Trump administration. Now that the court proceedings have been ruled upon, if Trump and the administration continue to ignore the subpoenas and refuse to turn over documents, uh, continue to try and stonewall anyone that would consider testifying for the subpoenas because they've been subpoenaed to testify in front of Congress, Ignoring the courts is the official red line for Democrats in Congress. That's what would force them into an impeachment. Now, a little bit of inside uh, politicking here. They're doing a bit of stalling out. I think that what's going on with uh, the House of Representatives in general is that everyone understands that we're now officially on the road to impeachment because when you have a president that is ignoring subpoenas out in the open, that's the road. That's where you're going. But the question is, they're trying to make sure to gather enough evidence for their voters before they start impeachment inquiries. Now, that's the big crux of the debate. Do they start before then or after then? But the problem is, we are creeping towards 2020. Time is running out. You know, everybody is is banking on the 2020 election to be able to go smoothly, but no one can guarantee that this election is going to be free and fair. So impeachment is the tool that Congress has, that the House of Representatives, controlled by Democrats, has to be able to start. Whatever happens with an impeachment hearing in the Senate does not matter. The Democrats have to do what is best for the country, and that is to start impeachment proceedings as soon as possible, right? You know, so a lot of people argue, okay, well, they're already investigating. You know, uh, if you don't call it impeachment per se, it's still going to end up with the same result. I guess that point can be made, and, and I was convinced of that point for quite a while until the Trump administration started openly defying these subpoenas, then it was pretty much over, right? So my hope is that the, they can continue to creep along a little bit, but we're running out of time. We are literally running out of time before the nation it goes into further risk. So... That brings us to number two, a reminder, the second point here, if the tables were turned, Republicans facing a Democratic administration and Democratic exec executive branch would have already begun impeachment hearings. Democrats have typically been more cautious and scared than their counterparts on the other side of the aisle. But we see how the GOP viewed these situations during the Clinton era. Republicans impeached President Clinton during the 1998-1999 cycle, and they did pay a price, and they did not pay a price for it in the 2000 election. No, no price whatsoever, by the way. And here's the super secret. 
they probably didn't care about the election results at the time. They were laser focused on the impeachment. They wanted to remove that president and the party coalesced around that notion and said, we're going to do whatever we have to do. Just like the way that McConnell and the Senate stonewalled and prevented Merrick Garland from going on the court. Was it legal? No, but they did it anyway, right? In the 90s, they impeached Clinton anyway over a personal matter, which, of course, he did commit perjury to, to protect that personal knowledge. But they didn't care. They went ahead and did the impeachment. And so Democrats are sitting around worrying about an election where they don't know what's going to happen in 2020 when they should be pursuing impeachment. Because truth be told, the American people, they want to see strength from the Democratic Party. They want to see a Democratic Party that believes what they believe and are convinced enough about that belief that they're going to pursue it to the ends of the earth. That's the number one thing that people want to see. That's what people in Texas want to see, you know, almost swing states like Texas. That's what people in Iowa want to see. That's what people in Pennsylvania want to see. If Democrats believe that this president needs to be impeached, they need to be convincing the country of that situation. The time is now. And as I was saying, the time for caution on these things is over. If President Trump and his associates are innocent of the evidence of crimes that continue to emerge, let them prove it to the American people. Let Trump prove it. This is one of those rare times which we may need to quote uh, some intelligent information and some books that uh, have, you know, really some important information about these things. So, I'm going to do something that may be kind of rare for uh, ingressive voices and something not done before, but I'm going to quote a book that many people in the United States of America are rather familiar with, not all, um, but, but here's a quote from the Bible. Luke chapter 8 verse 17 says this, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall be known and come abroad. Or if you want to update that chapter and verse from Luke, what we say today, this means what's done in the dark will soon come to the light. If the president is really innocent, he should be showing the American people of that. He should be turning over the documents turning over the information, letting people testify to prove his innocence, because that's what innocent people do. Innocent people don't have to hide from others. So the question is, what is Trump hiding? And what will the Democrats do about it? And moving on, so to leave the whole situation with the Trump administration at the federal level for a bit, we need to talk Texas here. The big news from the Texas legislature. Apparently, Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and Speaker of the House Dennis Bonin have set out and done what they said they would do at the beginning of this session. On one of the state's biggest and most important items, we have reached a deal. 
the three leaders of the state of Texas announced that they have solved the great school finance and property tax conundrum. Here's the main story from Rebecca Allen of the Dallas Morning News. Texas's top elected officials have struck a deal on the priority legislative issues of increasing school funding, giving teachers raises, and delivering property tax relief. At a Thursday afternoon press conference, with four days left in the legislative session, Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and House Speaker Dennis Bonin, flanked by the lawmakers who crafted the school and property tax bills, announced the House and the Senate had smoothed over their differences to deliver final legislation that will be passed into law by Monday. The final version of the bill is $11.5 billion over the next two-year fiscal period, increasing classroom spending by $4.5 billion, lowering property taxes by $5 billion, and increasing teacher salaries by $2 billion. Quote, I made some pretty bold promises to the people of Texas, Abbott said. I said we must reward teachers and school districts that achieve results. We've done that. I said we must prioritize spending in the classroom. We've done that. So that's the big news, is that at long last, the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker of the House have made a big leap at the compromise bill. They have reached a deal on the school finance bill, and it looks like Texas education systems are going to be receiving more money for the state of Texas. So basically what's going on with this bill, if you're not aware, the state of Texas has in previous years and previous sessions been on a constant decrease of the funding share that they help with Texas schools. And, you know, the state's contribution level has gotten down to somewhere in the neighborhood of 36 percent. This bill that they've proposed is going to uh, move that up significantly. I, I don't I don't have the exact number, but it's going to be more in the neighborhood of 10 percent, which is a big, big increase. And some of this funding is coming from what, what Texans used to call the rainy day fund that's going to be uh, distributed over the next biennium. But it's going to be a very significant move in the right direction. Now, this particular bill does not actually end what we call the Robin Hood system or the recapture system for school districts. It doesn't actually end that whole system, but it does put a pretty big dent in it. The, comp the compromise does seem to live, live up to many of the governor's goals. And as Speaker Bonin mentioned, it's rather impressive to see the Texas legislature work on behalf of our public schools without having to be forced to the table. For once this decade, at least, the property tax cuts are less than many anticipated, and there's much more flexibility than the pay raises which the Senate once demanded of $5,000 per teacher. Blessed by a year where state coffers are bountiful, that squishy ground is how lawmakers could find the $11.5 billion to get this bill done. To be clear, the recapture system where property wealthy districts have been forced to pay back money for poorer districts will not be eliminated. But according to Speaker Bonin, it is reduced 
by 47% in this omnibus bill. Everyone can agree that this is a massive improvement from the current system. In a session which, it's, which has already seen significant legislative advancement from the broadening of mer medical marijuana and cannabis oil usage to the creation of a new medical school for the University of Houston, all of Texas should be glad for a school finance package which seems to be based on real solutions and is moving a step in the right direction. So whether you're Republican or Democrat, we all win when our kids get better funding for their schools. Stay tuned. The bill should be passed within, you know, hours as the legislative session uh, ticks down. And it'll be worth noting that this also means uh, with the school finance bill done, it's highly unlikely that we're going to see a special session after the 2019 Texas legis legislative session. So, so that's going to be a big uh, selling point for everyone. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have to applaud, uh, you know, our, our legislature if they're going to do the right things. You know, that's that's just the way, you know, we would much rather these types of things happen than them spend half of the legislative session arguing about bathroom bills. So, you know, even as a progressive uh, that knows that that even with this bill, it's it's simply not enough. We need more funding for our schools. We need more revenue going towards our schools. We need more revenue that's available for the needs of children that have very special needs. But this is a step in the right direction. So, so we want to encourage that type of behavior. Now that said, you best believe that the, the reason that Republican lawmakers are doing all of this and willing to spend this money on the schools is because they see 2020 from here. They know that it could potentially be a very big year for Democrats and a very big year for Democrats in Texas and in the legislature. So they need something to run on. They know that school finance has been a monkey on their backs for the entirety of this decade since the 2011 legislature cut $5.4 billion from the education budget. So they know that that money had to be restored. You know, to be clear, we're still technically behind. This bill is basically bringing us back to the starting line for the state of Texas in terms of funding for education. So, yay, we finally got back to the starting line once this is passed. I'm so, so happy. And now, it's time for this week's Make Room segment. And it's something that I was very, very privileged to, to speak about on uh, a recent episode of Houston Matters. Uh, shout out to Craig Cohen and the whole team at Houston Matters. I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of that show and have been a part of that show uh, for five years on the, on the Good, Bad, and Ugly segment. But it's something that uh, we discussed on the Houston Matters segment, and I wanted to, to definitely carry it into Ingressive Voices. We have to be able to make room for our citizenship and our citizenship responsibilities, even in this time of extreme fatigue. So on citizenship, let's make some room. I don't have to tell you, if you're listening to Ingressive Voices, that we are all living in a truly exceptional 
and truly stressful time in our country. Even for those of us that have an interest in politics, and we like to pay attention to the daily stream of developments, that can be an overwhelming task at many times. In times like this, it is extremely important to be able to take some time for yourself. Let's remember two important things. You alone cannot fix it. Try as one may, there's no silver bullet solution to the many issues which have arisen in the Trump era. And so for all of us to be, you know, hunting for some, you know, big, bold solution like some Svengali, you know, we're not going to find it. I'm, I'm convinced that all of these problems that have been arising in our government, all of the stress that our government institutions have been through, there's no quick fix pill for all of that. We, we have to fight through it. We have to battle through it and we have to continue to fight for and uphold and uplift the truth. That's the best medicine for our nation at this point is to be able to uphold the truth. So don't look around for some silver bullet that's going to fix everything. It's not out there. You know, even if you could play some sort of tape that had some illicit, illicit, you know, issues or something like that, it's still not going to get rid of all the people that basically support Trump under any circumstances whatsoever. So there's not a silver bullet and you alone are not going to be able to figure that out. And if you do, then let me know because I'll have to, you know, eat dirt or something. But number two, the most important thing about how, how to handle these situations, save your energy. We all have to take some time and recharge ourselves. We cannot continue to be a part of these cycles constantly. It really does wear and tear on us. It tears on us mentally and emotionally and physically. So there's only so much that you can do. So for example, you know, some people for their contribution, the way that they see uh, being able to, to do their part is to write a blog, start a podcast, talk about the issues that matter to you, you know, find a creative outlet to be able to put these things into songs, music, things like that, so that your brain has a chance to rest, save your energy, and then output it at the right, at the right time is my situation. Ingressive Voices is exactly part of the reason that I wanted to do this because I'm interested, you know, very much like Texas Leftist. I love doing the blog, but I'm interested in doing voice and things as well and being able to communicate with people in a different manner. So Ingressive Voices combines those things. Now, that's to say it's not always easy because, you know, people get busy and like we said, we're all stressed out by the daily crazy developments that are happening in news. But take your time, you know, don't rush into anything, you know, but take some time for yourself and then come back to engage your brain and decide how much of this you really can stand. I don't think anybody would hate someone for that if they're, if they're saying, okay, well, I, I need a little rest time. I know that all of this is important, but it's not something that I can handle right now. And so that's 
really, really important as we continue to evolve and learn and grow in these spaces. But another important point, even though I guess I said originally we only had two points, but let's just call this point number three, be a participant where and when it counts in your local elections. This is what all of that energy conservation should be for, is showing up to vote in every election. Remember that 2018 had historic and in some cases earth-shattering turnout, and most of that ended up favoring the Democrats. That's the whole reason we were able to get to where we were able to get to now. It's the one and only check that we have against the Trump administration. But once, now that 2018 is over, we cannot, as Democrats and the progressive, you know, wing of folks, we cannot stay silent. We cannot just lay our hands and say, okay, everything's great. We have to continue to fight. We have to continue to vote. And we have to continue to question, uh, question politicians and question those that are seeking these offices. It should be now the point where you need to be voting for everything that comes up. Because remember, you never know where that vote is going to go. You never know how uh, that person's political career may rise after the, you're meeting with them, working with your political organizations. So be mindful of all of that. And that's making room for citizenship in a time of extreme fatigue. Well, thank you so much for taking an episode 12 of the Ingressive Voices podcast. It really is a joy to do this podcast each week. And I want to take another shout out to a couple of friends that have been really supportive of the podcast. First off, my, my friend and my uh, production buddy, Emil Robinson, thank you so much for uh, producing the music. And we're continuing to work on my music project. And, and I'm so thankful for uh, Emil uh, doing that with me. Um, you know, things are going to drop really soon. Uh, well, not really soon. I still have some, some time to really get that music project together. But another really exciting thing that happened this week is my friend, Joseph Fuller. You know, some of you listening may know Joseph. Uh, his project has dropped. It is finally in the world, known as M, both the album and the artist. So be sure to check out M on all of your platforms. So be that iTunes. Apple Music, Tidal, Spotify, anywhere that you stream music, you can look up M, right? Check it out. It's an incredible album, one of my favorites of the year, and I really, I'm really not just saying that. I listen to M every day since it, since it came out, and I listen to the songs multiple times because they're just that good. They're fun, pop-type stuff. And you will really enjoy it. If you're into pop, if you're into rock, folk rock, uh, you know, kind of Panic at the Disco slash Dream Theater kind of things, M is where it's at. I love that whole album. So check it out. That's Joseph Fuller, uh, the creator of M. And of course, he's got an amazing band up in Arkansas. But that's it for episode 12 of the Ingressive Voices podcast. 
you know, please share the podcast with your friends, leave a review for us, especially if you, if you have the podcast app for Apple, because those have the most consistent like reviews and things like that. But we would love to hear your feedback about the podcast, you know, how things are going, um, you know, all of that. So thanks so much for tuning in and I hope that you will continue to take in what is going on around our world, but take it in safely, safely and kindly. All right. Till next time, this is Ingressive Voices. And that's it, peeps. Thanks so much for taking in this episode of Ingressive Voices. Until next time, I'm Wayne Ashley.